Thank you for listening to the Calvary Monterey podcast. Please visit calvary.com to learn more about our church and visit nateholdridge.com for additional Bible teaching from our lead pastor, Nate Holdridge. Today we have a message from Denise Colazzo at our women's gathering about edification. Enjoy. All right, ladies. Awesome to see you all here. So as Christina said, um, have this handy, uh, the loving each other through edification, because we're going to, throughout the study, we're going to take a few moments to just pause as we let um, some of these ideas uh, soak in a little bit. And maybe, you know, sometimes when someone's teaching and you, I don't know if you do this, I do this, um, something will hit me and in my mind, I just go on this trail and I miss what they're saying because I'm going somewhere else. So I want to leave space for that kind of thing where if something's hitting you, like God's speaking to your heart, like we'll take a little breather. You can take some notes. There'll be some guided questions and then we'll pick back up. So have those handy. And if you don't have a pen, um, I believe there are some pens back there. Um, So Feel free to get up and go grab one if you need to. So our topic tonight, loving one another through edification. Um, This theme of building each other up, Christina did a great job of uh, defining it for us because sometimes those words like edification, who who, like uses that in their everyday vernacular? Like, wow, thank you for edifying me. People don't usually use that word, so sometimes it's good to have that definition. And so thank you, Christina, for giving that, because now I don't have to take that out of my notes. Um, but be, and So it's all throughout the, the New Testament, especially, that idea of building each other up. Um, in the epistles especially, but we're going to hang out in the book of Ephesians tonight to discover what this idea of building each other up through edification, or loving each other through edification, or building each other up, what that looks like. Um, And I want to take just a quick moment to pray, because it will help calm my nerves a little bit. Father, I just come to you tonight with open hands. And God, we come to you with open hands to release anything that we may need to lay into your hands, whether it's something that's obstructing our view of you, a worry, a concern, maybe it's an idol. (laughs) We want to open our hands so that we can release those into yours, your capable hands, God. We want to cast all our cares on you tonight because we know that you care for us and that you are ready and able to give us what we need as a loving father. But God, our hands are open too because we want to receive from you. God, we want to have hands that gratefully and expectantly uh, just understand that because you're a a gracious father, a loving father, that you give good gifts and that tonight you have a gift for us to receive. And so we, with that posture of just open hands to release and to receive, God, it's with that posture, we come to you tonight. We thank you that you love us so much. And we ask these things in 
in your name. Amen. All right. So back in the Apostle Paul's day, that word edification was actually just a construction term. It meant building up, actually building, like the root word edifice. Uh, That's a structure. And so he and the Bible and religious circles started to use it as this term for building up people and lives. And so now if you look in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, that is what you'll see. You won't really see it as a, a term that we use for construction. But in Paul's day, that's what it was used for. Speaking of building, if you were here for our growth night, Christina had mentioned how that theme of building is woven throughout the Bible. God is really into this theme. You see it with Noah building the ark. We see it with the altars that he had the Israelites build in remembrance of something that he had done in a specific location. We see it with the tabernacle and the temple that he had the Israelites build. And Nehemiah rebuilding the walls. We just studied that on Sunday mornings. Jesus. He was born into the family business. He was a carpenter's son. And Paul, the author of the book of Ephesians, he was a tent builder. So these terms were just part of his natural language because of the the, uh, work that he did to make money. And he continues with this theme and this metaphor describing God's ultimate redemption plan as a grand scale building project. Ephesians 2.22 says, In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God's plan is to build his children into a dwelling place for himself. A house filled and overflowing with his love. And tonight we're going to discover how we can join God's building project and love one another through edification. In the book of Ephesians, it's divided into two parts. The first three chapters, Paul tells the Ephesians and us who we are because of what God has done. Listen to how this is expressed to the Ephesians. It says that God, he's rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. That even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. He says, by grace you've been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So chapters one through three, Paul reminds us that God's grace breaks into our lives against our will and saves us from the sin and brokenness we could not otherwise overcome. For indeed, grace is the key to it all. It's not our lavish good deeds that procure salvation, but God's lavish love and mercy. Religion is, if you obey, then you will be accepted. But the gospel says, if you are absolutely accepted, and you are. It never gets old for me. <laughs> never gets old for me. If you are absolutely accepted, and you are, only then will you ever begin to obey. So if Ephesians 1 through 3 tell us 
who we are because of what God has done, then who are we? We are fully known, dearly loved, completely accepted children of God. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, chapters 1 through 3 shout, Welcome to the family! That's the first half of Ephesians. It shows us the blueprint for God's dwelling place, built upon the finished work of Jesus. And we say, yes, this is beautiful. This is what we want to see in our lives and in the world around us. God's love shining in and through us to the world around us. Beautiful. That's what we want. And in one sense, it's already done deal. God sees through the finished work of the cross, and we're complete and perfect in him. That's from an eternal and legal standpoint. Done deal. But is that what we see? What about right now? Do our lives match that blueprint? When we compare the blueprint to where we're at, we notice a distinct difference between what should be and what is. We see not only in our own lives, but in the world around us, we say, okay, this is the ideal, this is the picture, this is the blueprint that God gives, the building he's, he wants to build and says he's already built. But when we look around, we're like, wait, wait a minute, there's, there's some, some space in between there. So, the in-between, that space, the in-between, that's the building phase. We've got our blueprint, and then we get to work. Timothy Keller, he says it well. He, said God, he says, God sees us as we are. He loves us as we are. He accepts us as we are. But by his grace, he does not leave us as we are. The space between, that's the building phase, and at the very end of the chapter three, where we're transitioning from who we are because of what God has done, this is what uh, Paul says. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God is about to blow our minds again. He's going to do far more than we can ask or think according to the power that's now within us. And this is when the building phase begins. Chapters one through three tell us who we are because of what God has done. They shout, welcome to the family. And Ephesians chapters four through six tell us, how we live because of who we are. Chapters four through six say, welcome to the family business. The building phase. We're in construction, guys. Where God takes all his resources, all the raw materials, that's us. And through the gospel process, he builds us up into his dwelling place and we are transformed into the image up here. That's where we're moving. In this building phase, well, wait, what does this building phase look like? I'd like to say it's like the Lego movie where everything is awesome. (laughs) 
But we all know it's more messy than that. In this building phase, there are three essential elements that God uses. Grace, truth, and time. Dr. Henry Cloud, in his book, Changes That Heal, which should be on your resource list, and I will add to that, Right Now Media, which we're always plugging as a resource for the church, has some really great short little video clips that he pulls from the, the book that he gives these little talks on. So Right Now Media has some great resources, or you can get this book, Changes That Heal. But he presents these elements, grace, truth, and time, as a formula for growth. And because I like formulas, it, I found it helpful. Maybe you will too. So that's what we're going to use for the rest of our time as we look at this building phase. We're going to use this formula that grace plus truth plus time equals growth or progress. God uses these elements to build us, and these are the same elements we use to build each other. Remember, our topic tonight is loving one another through edification. And up until now, we've been talking about how God has, what God has done for us and how God has loved us. And that becomes our model for loving one another. So the formula, grace plus truth plus time equals progress. I know I'm saying it in one order, but I'm going to skip and do truth first. And I think that you'll kind of see why. We're going to talk about truth. And here's our, our big idea with, with truth as the element of growth that we build into each other. We build each other up with truth when we examine our lives with compassionate curiosity and align ourselves with the gospel. So what is truth? Truth is the objective reality as, re as revealed in the person of Jesus through the Bible. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He says, my word is truth. If we want to know truth, we need to get to know Jesus. In John 8, 31, it says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. As we get to know Jesus, and the truth of who he is and what he's done sinks deeper and deeper into our hearts. We're set free to love in the way that he's called us to love and to live in the way that he's called us to live. So how do we build each other up in truth? Paul has a lot to say about speaking the truth to each other in Ephesians chapter 4. We often think of speaking the truth in love as declarative and directive. What I mean is when we see something in someone's life that's not aligned with God's word or God's truth, we can quote the Bible verse and kind of like, here you go. And leave it at that. And, and that's not bad. I mean, anytime you're speaking the truth of God, his word never returns void. I mean, maybe that's, that's what, it, what was needed in that moment. But I think that there's sometimes that it's only scratching the surface, and maybe we can do better. You see, the truth is both objective and subjective. It's objective in the sense that God's truth never changes. Like it said, we can anchor ourselves in Jesus, like we sang tonight. We can anchor ourselves in the truth of that. But it's subjective in the sense of we are all different. We have all 
assimilated that truth into our lives at different levels, capacities, degrees over time. And so there's a subjective component to letting this truth sink into each of our lives. So in order to speak the truth in a way that builds us up, we need to first know the truth, the objective truth, and the subjective truth. And in order to know the truth, we have to seek it out. This require, or it requires something in our statement that I like to call compassionate curiosity towards ourselves and towards others. This means that we're seeking the truth to get to the root of what, what's going on in our lives so that we can apply the truth of God's word so that we can grow and we can be built up. So at the beginning of the year, I started a new job. I was really excited, pay raise, new field that I hadn't been in before and was just excited. And before the three month probationary period was finished, I was let go. It was not a good fit. This hit me really hard and I began to experience anxiety, like full-on physical manifestations of anxiety like I'd never experienced. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't focus. I would get like heart palpitations and be, um, have short breath, shortness of breath. And in the very worst scenario that I would experience was this weird dissociative thing where when I was getting really stressed, it would feel like someone was just putting mufflers over my ears and my vision would like go down and it would feel like just like I was sinking into this black hole. And it was a physical thing happening. And you could have told me, Denise, Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's such a beautiful verse. And it's true. It is true. And maybe you are in a place in your life where that, like, that would be the answer. And it would solve it, and boom, anxiety gone. Magic. And if so awesome. Great. That means you're further along in the building process than I am. Because you know what really helped me in that moment? Was friends and family who invested time to listen, to ask good questions, and discover not just the anxiety. That was just a fruit. That was just a symptom but discover what the root of my anxiety was. I like to call this, like I said, compassionate curiosity. It's asking good questions that dig under the surface and get to the root. One question that my husband asked was this, why do you think this is hitting you so hard? I mean, it's just a job. You'll get another one. Answering that question helped me to discover what the root of my anxiety was. I discovered feelings of failure, of rejection, and shame. All of those are identity issues. 
I was deriving my worth, my value from my career, what I did. But I needed to be reminded of who I am because of what he did. Which leads me back to the truths we talked about in Ephesians 1, 3, 1 through 3. Who am I? I'm fully known. I'm dearly loved and completely accepted. I needed to be reminded of that truth. And when I allowed that truth to sink in and to take root, guess what happened? (sighs) The anxiety was gone. I can rest fully in who I am as a child of God. So we build each other up with truth when we examine our lives with compassionate curiosity and align ourselves with the word of God and with the gospel. So here's where we're going to pause. Because that's a lot, right? (laughs) That's a lot. We're going to pause right now and take out your your, um, note card or half sheet that you got. And we see that statement, we build each other up with the truth when we examine our lives with compassionate curiosity and align ourselves with the gospel. So below that, you'll see there are three questions, maybe two. There's two questions and then a little little prompt. Um, So the first question is this, and you can get out your pens and jot down an answer or any thoughts that you might have from this section. First question is, with whom can I cultivate compassionate curiosity. So maybe there's someone that you're thinking of that, wow, I need to extend this to that person. Like I've just kind of looked at their symptoms and tried to prescribe, you know, something for the symptoms, but like I've not asked the deeper questions. I haven't done any digging to find out, you know, what's at the root of this and how can I, how can I support them through those things or speak the truth into their lives to those root issues. With whom can I cultivate compassionate curiosity? So go ahead and write anything down that comes to mind. And then the second question, what are some open-ended questions that I can ask to go deeper? And that should be the parentheses there So one question is, hey, can you tell me more about that? Just pulling pulling the string on the sweater, you know. Just tell me more about that. How about, what did you learn about yourself through that experience? That question my husband asked, why do you think this is so hard for you? What's hard about it? You guys can probably come up with some other great ones, too. So those are just examples. So if you can think of some others, write those down. Now, I went out of order because the formula was grace plus truth plus time, but I, I felt like truth needed to be first. Not that it's more important, but just in the order. And I think you'll see as we talk about grace. Because that's our next, um, our next element in the 
building phase that we look at. And what is grace? Grace, the definition is unmerited favor. It's an unearned gift. And I'm going to go back to Dr. Henry Cloud because I love the way he describes it. He says, this is what grace is. Grace is the thing that we need that we do not possess and we cannot produce on our own. So it's, it's like this big, broad definition. And we're going to see how, how we can work that into building each other up. So what we need that we do not possess and cannot produce on our own. Uh, Timothy Keller, which he's also on our resource list, he says this about grace. He says, grace is both humbling and restorative. It pulls you down because Christ had to die for you. But it lifts you up because he wanted to die for you. When we grasp that with our unworthy sinner that we are unworthy sinners saved by an infinitely costly grace, it destroys both our self-righteousness and our need to ridicule others. So receiving God's grace in our own lives puts us in a posture of humility towards each other so that we can walk worthy of the calling to build each other up with all loneliness and gentleness, with long-suffering and bearing with one another in love. That's all in Ephesians 4. So in humility, we take the grace that has been given to us and we give it away to others. So how do we incorporate grace into this building project? We build each other up with grace when we use our abilities, talents, and resources to meet the needs of others in humility, gentleness, and kindness without strings attached. First Peter 4 says this, each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So I love that verse because as we saw in the definition of grace, it's, it's the grace is what we need that we do not possess and cannot produce. Well, it's going to be different for everybody because we all have deficiencies or needs or lacks in in different areas. So God gives grace in various forms. What grace is needed in this moment? Well, he gives that. And it's different for everybody. So I love that. And we can see in the scriptures um, in Ephesians 4, but also all over uh, John 1, 16, Romans 12, 6, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 10. Um, it talks about these various forms. What does grace look like in its various forms? And I didn't want to be too specific because, again, I think it really depends on, you know, what the specific circumstances or situation that you're in need. So you can look those up, and it's all throughout um, those verses and more um, that talks about those various graces. But what does this look like in real life? And Hen Dr. Henry Cloud shares a story in his book. It's about a CEO of a well-known ministry, and he had gained over 100 pounds during a three-year period. And when the weight gain began to affect his health and job performance, the chairman of the board intervened, and he began meeting weekly with the CEO to keep him accountable to the doctor's nutrition and fitness plan. And after six months, the chairman was frustrated. 
the CEO had not only not made progress, he had gone in the other direction and gained weight. And he didn't know what to do, so he sought the input of a leadership coach. This leadership coach asked some compassionately curious questions and discovered the underlying truth of the CEO's story. He had lost two loved ones recently. And during that same time of grieving the loss of those two loved ones, he had actually been promoted from COO, Chief Operating Officer, to CEO, Chief Executive Officer. And so lots of change, lots of big change in his life. It became evident that he had been dealing with stress uh, of those changes by eating. And the eating... It brought weight gain, which brought health problems, which added more stress, which caused him to eat more. (laughs) And then he's in this cycle. And the compassionate curiosity of this leadership coach led to the truth that the CEO was missing some things and he had some needs. He He couldn't do on his own. He couldn't fix on his own. So what did he need? He needed grace. What were the things that he needed? Well... For starters, he needed discipline to follow through with the doctor's plan. He didn't have it on his own, so he couldn't manufacture it. He needed grace in its various forms. Another thing he needed, he needed a healthy outlet to process his grief and loss. Another need, skills for his new position. He had been promoted from COO, but had never been trained in what it took to be a CEO. So he needed those skills, those practical skills to be successful in this new position. So what did the coach recommend after he discovered by compassionately, curiously asking good questions and discovering the root issues? What the coach recommended to the CEO that number one, hey, do you have friends? Do you have friends that have healthy fitness routines and healthy eating habits? I want you to recruit your friends that love you and that, will, that you can borrow their discipline from. You don't have the discipline, but borrow theirs. They have their workout routines. You take one day a week with different friends and join them in their workout routine. You find out what their eating habits are or, you know, sign up for one of those meal plans, whatever. But enlist your friends and borrow on their discipline until that their discipline becomes your discipline because you've created this new habit. The other piece of advice that the life coach gave was join a grief group to process your loss. A grief group, you've got other people who are dealing with similar losses. And guess what? They're all in the the stages of it, but you guys, you know that scripture that talks about we comfort one another with the comfort that's been we've been comforted with, and we and it's this whole thing where we can empathize with the pain of others when we've gone through similar things. And guess what? We, there's some connection that happens where we can help each other through the hard times because we've been through that and we know what it's like. So this grief group joins that, but it also he'll get additional tools in the grief group to learn, hey, these are the different stages of grief, and here's what you can expect, and here's how you can work through it, and here's some tools. In addition, the life coach says, hey, have the chairman of the board 
and the, and the ministry, have them hire you a leadership coach who can train you. Hey, what's, what's the difference between a COO and a CEO? And what do I need to transition into this new position and serve this ministry well? So we build each other up with grace when we use our abilities, talents, and resources to meet the needs of others in humility, gentleness, kindness, without strings attached. That's what it looks like in a very practical way. So now, that's a lot. Let's take a minute. We're going to reflect. Sorry. Pull out your uh, card there. What did I do with it? Here it is. Reflecting on grace. So again, we build each other up with grace when we use our abilities, talents, and resources to meet the needs of others in humility, gentleness, and kindness without strings attached. Think for a moment now. What abilities, talents, and resources has God given you that you can give away to others? All right. Our last element of the building phase. And we'll go quickly through this one. We build each other up over time as we patiently cheer each other on through the process. So this element of time, it's a fixed element because we all get the same amount, 24 hours in a day. However, our rate of growth or building is different, and none of us changes overnight. It happens bit by bit over a period of time, and we can see this nod to the element of time in Ephesians 4 when it says we need to be long-suffering and patient with each other. When it says that he gave different roles for edifying the body of Christ— it says, until we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, until we all come, until we're not there yet, time, we all come. We're all in different levels of, and phases in our growth of time, through time. So we all wish that we could plug into the matrix like Neo and download the software for whatever the growth that we need is and instantly have that, that change and growth and transition. But that's not how real life works for the most part. And I'm so excited to get to share this. I was trying to figure out how I can use a, uh, an example of my nephew, Wesley. Uh, I had my nine-month-old nephew, Wesley. He's the most adorable little boy on the planet. And he's just learning to crawl. And do you know, he's, he doesn't do like the regular crawl. He does like this army crawl, and he's super fast at it. And he's just going, 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 going. And we know he's crawling right now. But we know one day, probably soon, he's going to be walking. And not... Far after that, he's going to be running, and we're going to be chasing after him. But the thing is, right now, while he's crawling, he's right where he's supposed to be. Like, he's, 
he's right at his developmental marker, like, awesome. So what do we do? We cheer him on because you know what? It's adorable. I mean, you know what's going to happen when he starts toddling and he falls down? Are we going to get upset? No, we're going to be like, oh, you're so cute. Here, stand back up. Go. That is how we are to be with each other in our growing process. Ephesians 4, 2 through 3 says, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, we bear with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It says to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says this, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart, and then each one will receive his commendation from God. So in this time, this building phase, we can withhold judgment and just be each other's cheerleaders. We can let God deal with the judging at the end, and he'll, he'll you know, tell us how we all did. But right now, with each other and building each other up, We're to be each other's cheerleaders. So time. We build each other up over time as we patiently cheer each other on through the process. So back to the reflecting. There's three questions here for you to answer. With whom do I need to be more patient? With whom do I need to intentionally spend time? And how can I become a better cheerleader for others? Write down your thoughts to those questions. And we're going to wrap things up by reading those statements regarding the formula. We have grace plus truth plus time equals growth. Grace, we build each other up with grace when we use our abilities, talents, and resources to meet the needs of others in humility gentleness, and kindness without strings attached. Truth, we build each other up with truth when we examine our lives with compassionate curiosity and align ourselves with the gospel. And time, we build each other up over time as we patiently cheer each other on through the process. And in, I believe it's in chapter 4 in Ephesians, it says that we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And that's our goal, and that's where we're headed. And guess what? We're going to get there. We're going to get there. It's already done. Thank you for listening. If you would like more teachings and information about Calvary Monterey, please visit calvary.com.
You can also find books, teachings through the Bible, and articles from our lead pastor at nateholdridge.com. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next week.